Hey guys, and welcome into the show. On this week's episode, we talk a little bit about the Disneyland 65th anniversary, as well as the one-year anniversary of our podcast here. So we talk about those two things. We just have a casual conversation about the parks, about the podcast, and a little bit about some news that came through. So we hope that you enjoy that. And if you want to follow the show, you can find us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is The Talking Llamas Podcast. Thomas and I are on Facebook as well if you want to find us there. Our Instagram is at The Talking Llamas Podcast. At, it's just at Talking Llamas Podcast, I believe, actually. So at Talking Llamas Podcast on Instagram. And you can email the show. Um, our email address is Talking Llamas Pod. That is Talking Llamas P O D at gmail.com, talkinglamaspod at gmail.com for any questions, comments, any concerns, anything you want to send our way, and it might even make it on the show. So send anything there. And then just as always, you can subscribe, you can rate, and you can review. That's the best way to support the show right now. That gets us out to more people uh, so more people can hear what we have to say, and then you can also tell a friend or two that might enjoy the show about the show and help spread the word. Okay, guys, without any further delay, please enjoy this episode of the Talking Llamas podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Robert Camozzi here, joined by Thomas Nelson. Hello. Thomas, who forecasted last week, uh, if you listened to our episode, uh, his, well, you had a desire for the documentary Howard to become available somewhere. Uh, the, the documentary that's about um, his last name is escaping me. Howard, Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman, yes, uh, who worked closely with Alan Menken on several Disney films, uh, soundtracks, and the music used, and um, was a big part of those. And you, why don't you talk a little bit more about that and what the news is and everything um, about what the documentary is and who Howard Ashman was. And I don't think it requires too much explanation. It's about Howard Ashman, uh, made produced, I guess, by Don Hahn, who's done many uh, great projects. Beauty and the Beast, uh, documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. I think he worked on Lion King as well. In some compa- He's been yeah. around. He was there before Howard Ashman and after Howard Ashman. So he was there you know, when Howard Ashman came in with Alan Menken for Little Mermaid, starting the Renaissance. And we know how important the music was in Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. Those are the three movies that he really had a hand in, in terms of the music. Uh, yeah, so August what seventh? This will be coming out onto yeah. Disney Plus. Finally, it's been a couple years since it was released into several film festivals. Okay, um, and I was lamenting last week at its absence from you know, the, the, I guess public viewing uh, availability. Really, yeah. Further evidence that Disney is listening to our podcast intently. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and then, and taking action. Uh, finally on something that we've been calling for so yeah it's just funny that you um you brought it up and then the just next it was like five days later or whatever it it was announced it was it was going to be on disney plus so yeah and it'll be easily accessible so you don't have to you know if you have disney plus you won't have to pay on itunes or whatever to get it or on amazon or anything like that so i think i had heard sometime soon after maybe in december after disney plus uh you know launched that Howard, the documentary was coming to Disney Plus, but oh, okay. I assume I'd assumed it would have been in January or maybe even February, mm-hmm. but it took until August to make it happen. I, I don't know why that would be, but, and other than them just trying to like slowly drip things out instead of just dumping them all at once. I, I suppose. I mean, I'm not sure what the strategy is. I don't know how it all works. The thing is, I knew Don Hahn came to the Walt Disney Family Museum a couple years back and uh, was talking about his documentary, and someone in the crowd after his his presentation or whatever he was doing uh, asked a question and and part of that question was about the documentary and asking when it would when could we watch it how can we watch it and he i think the gist of it is we he referenced that the new disney plus that was coming it wasn't even out yet is something that would probably be where it lands so yeah i guess it's probably just a scheduling thing because they knew they wanted it there 
isn't there an iWorks documentary as well that's that you've watched or that's that's on him about, specifically about uh, iWorks? Yes. Yeah, that's called the Hand Behind the Mouse. Uh, I don't think that that's on Disney Plus. No, it's not. I don't think it's, it's not now. a Disney. It's Disney related. It's made by it's his Disney daughter. Adjacent. That's right. Um, <laughs> his daughter also did the Imagineering story. Yeah. So maybe maybe her uh, other documentary. She might have done a second. No, that was uh, Frank Thomas's son. But even still, yeah, uh, that one's not currently on Disney Plus. But it's a really good one, actually. You've seen it, yeah? I don't think I have. No. No. Oh yeah. Well, watch it. It's great. Is it on Netflix or anything? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I have it on my iTunes account. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. But you could probably rent it for yeah. a few bucks. I'll check it out sometime. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll get on there as well one day. But um, And then as just a little bit of, I guess, news that came out there, you know, Disney World is, is well into its reopening now, and, and it's been a couple of weeks. Things are starting to trickle out in terms of, how everything's looking and it seems like everything's going well. Even people who are sort of on the more cautious side of this whole thing uh, seem to be, I, I don't know, positive stuff has been coming out. Have you heard anything uh, that sort of piqued your interest on, on Disney World's reopening and how things are going? Well, my eye has not been on it very heavily. Yeah, I've mostly um, just been listening to YouTube videos or podcasts from people who've gone just to see what it's like. The most I could even gather from what I have seen is that there's lower crowds as it, as is expected, and yeah. then people are wearing their masks, which is also, I mean, a lot of it's already expected. It's, I'm just waiting for a few weeks to go by and see if, you know, our cases rising and people, like are people reporting that they've come back from Disney World and now they're sick? Like, we have to see what's going to happen, especially after Hong Kong is closing up again. That's something actually important to mention, because that's a precedent that's been set that... It uh, is Hong Kong, yeah. Yeah, after yeah. a month, Hong Kong of Hong Kong reopening, they've reclosed. So that's something that's now been done that can be done presumably other places. So something to keep an eye on. They have, uh, I guess postponed, at least I don't think it's like officially canceled or anything, but they've postponed the spaceship earth and the cherry tree lane refurbishments or whatever, or what would you call it? Just, I guess the refurbishment of, of spaceship earth and the, um, the creation of the Mary Poppins area for Epcot have both been postponed. And that sort of that, that display they have in Epcot that shows everything that's supposed to be coming to the new Epcot, you know, the, the, all the overhaul they're doing there. It reflects that those two are no longer part of that refurbishment. Where is that reimagining place that you mentioned? The Epcot experience, I think is what it's called. It's just in Epcot. I don't know exactly where it is. It wasn't there when we went. I don't think. Um, when we went last, it was not there, but it's it's something that you can see um, see somewhere in that in that. It's funny. We thought that with the close down of the parks, we might get more construction while people aren't around. Well, I, and that didn't happen, and then people were back, and so now it's postponed. Even. Well, you can imagine that it's a it's a money thing, I guess, that they're just they aren't willing to put the it, they're not willing to put the funds into it just because they can't justify it budget wise i'm not sure but um the epcot experience can be found also in uh it just says in future world so i'm not exactly sure the building or or whatnot but it is there um take a giant leap into the future preview a plethora of amazing changes coming to epcot so yeah the um cherry tree lane and the the spaceship earth um reimagining has has been uh has been removed from that so anyways those have been at least postponed if not I don't know. Who knows if they'll be canceled? I wonder if it's a, a bad sign, for, you know, for the financial situation with the company that they're not continuing to invest. Maybe they're expecting parks will be closed again. I wonder if it's not just that anything that hasn't started but was announced is just kind of on hold. Because I mean, they they went forward obviously with Avengers Campus, which I mean, admittedly that was supposed to open this summer, so I think it was supposed to open around this time. Um, and then the, uh, the stuff that's in future world seems to, you know, cause we went there, it was like a labyrinth of just like wall, green walls and, and stuff scrim in uh, future world. So I'm, I don't know if that had already started, like stuff that's already started is, 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 is underway. They're obviously going to keep doing. And then I wonder if things that just have been 
announced but haven't begun construction if they're just holding off until they can uh, a new quarter or something you know business talk in terms of you know putting it on a different budget because it's right now their budget's impacted by the fact that they just can't get the revenue from the parks that they're used to which is i would imagine a big part of their revenue as a company something to look out for if you're really looking forward to cherry tree lane in particular um i think some people might actually be happy that spaceship earth is staying around a little bit longer oh certainly yeah yeah so i mean spaceship earth will will be around but i i think people it's like you know they they update any classic attraction you you want to see you want to see the older version as long as you can so I think people are excited about that, and people might be missing the fact that Cherry Tree Lane will, will be postponed for I don't know how long, but anyways, I think that's all in terms of news. And, and uh, I mean, Hollywood Studios and Epcot are now open, and I, that's about it. Yeah, the uh, some of the lines when you do see park video and stuff, they look really long, but they're you know they're spaced out, and and then you get there in a relatively short time. So actually, it seems like it might not be a horrible experience to be there although like i did see on the jungle cruise you have those you have like plastic shields in between groups of people which is uh, interesting i don't know how that would affect the experience on the boat yeah well and apparently they're they're going full capacity on the boats for jungle cruise now but they just have those plexiglass barriers so i don't know (laughs) i did see someone from the uh from the Diz Unplugged, Craig. Um, yeah. He, there was a picture of him on, I think, Facebook or something. Maybe Pete put it up. But he was alone on Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Yeah. And it had to be just him on the on the cart, on the train, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. There were several rides where he was just on the uh, well, that car. Well, brings up single rider situation. Yeah. Like, I guess they can't deny people who are alone to get on that traction. No, they can't. Do, do you think they have to be the only person on the, the car? I don't know. They have to be spaced out to some degree. I guess that's true. Splash Mountain, like front and back. Could you have one, a single in the front and two people in the back? I have, yeah. I guess you would think you could. Maybe not though, because on that one, you you if you're in the front and say you did have COVID somehow, and even though you were you know screened and all that, if you exhale and some of the droplets or whatever get out, it could potentially reach someone in the back. So what about what about in line though? Like this, you could say the same thing about being in a line with somebody in front of you if they're breathing. Well, the, and the you... point about the attraction is that you're moving forward, mm-hmm. which automatically sends whatever's coming out of your mouth backward behind you. Yeah, and uh, if you're just standing there, it's gonna—I don't know how much viral load the droplets have anyway, and how long it lasts in the air. I think it—we're learning it's not very long, especially with the UV light and all that. That, uh, but anyway, well, in in Japan, they've I don't know if outlaws the word, but they've they've asked people to that go on roller coasters to stop screaming or to not scream. Um, I'm looking up the article now because I saw this really funny. They encourage people to I, I need to find the exact quote, but they encourage people to scream in their hearts, <laughs> <laughs> which is like. <laughs> so funny and uh the perfect um motto for 2020 really they should give people like little handheld things you can you can uh click like a button that has a screaming sound yeah they should that would be like but like different characters disney characters well you you already don't like me oh yeah no i I I will like as a joke if i feel like it but you you really go for it well i i I already kind of have like i say have to i i have to do it in by the means of like it's just a release of the feeling in my stomach that makes me do it uh and then i make a joke of it where i just like really play it up um yeah it the, the quote japanese amusement park tells thrill seekers please scream inside your heart <laughs> so so that's fun um but it, it, that goes to the point that you were making where there could potentially be some droplets that you're then the people behind you are then going through but i mean if everyone's wearing a mask i, I don't know i mean well so the the consequence of having many single riders if they have to have their own vehicle whatever form that takes is that it could really delay uh the line yeah well i saw things like um flight of passage was five minutes like the entire, like I just kept, I was checking it when over the weekend or, or whatever, and it was just like five minutes. And 
you could see where that one would lend itself maybe to um, quicker, but like a thing like Splash Mountain, like you're explaining, I don't know how they have to space it out. So like, if you've got a, it, it, there's just not going to be as many options for like putting people out. Like you see on Splash Mountain all the time, if you have a group of four or whatever, and then a group of two behind you, that group of two will go with the group of four, but they're not going to do that now. So that's going to delay. Now the parks are at much less capacity. I don't know. There, There's just fewer people in there. So I, I don't know what the exact number is, but th- I think that that's more than compensating for the fact that they have to put people in separate cars and all that. I think that that's more than making up for it. Now with Flight of Passage, that's interesting because it's an indoor attraction. Yeah. And indoors, pretty much the worst place you could be. Circulated air. When you, well, that, but you're also with people you don't know in the, in the same space. Even if they leave, those people, like, I don't know, I feel like the, whatever's in there is going to stay around, stick around for a while. I don't know how long. The science has kind of changed. I don't know how long COVID lasts on, uh, you know, surfaces, different surfaces. Apparently not that long, but I don't have the numbers. So the point is, it's just it's just a more dangerous situation. At least with Splash Mountain, it's more... You got more outdoor elements. Yeah, same with Big Thunder, you know, others too. Well, yeah, and, and then something with Splash Mountain, even where it is indoors, there's like openings to the outdoors. So, you you know, there, there's more air circulating through. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. So yeah. anyways, we'll continue to, to monitor it, and it does inform us to what Disneyland's... Uh, will look like when it eventually opens in 2025 so well that'll be the 70th uh, anniversary yeah yeah they can't yeah it'll be big and, and incidentally today is the 65th anniversary of this as of this recording yeah so. yeah yeah we record on every year we record on july 17th <laughs> the opening of disneyland well we, so and that's the other thing did we we recorded our first episode on july 17th i don't know or i'd have to look it. through the uh the files I think our release, the first release, was on the 18th, which would be backwards because that would have been Friday last year. Mm. Have some have some thoughts into the microphone. I'll look it up. Well, I mean, we can talk about the 65th anniversary of Disneyland, which um, we were there for the 60th, and we've been there, you know, for other anniversaries, but it's, you know, every five to ten years are bigger anniversaries than, like, you know, the 62nd. They don't really pay attention to the 62nd, 63rd, or, or whatever. They try to make it, you know, rounder numbers so we were there for the 60th that was sort of a big deal um we won't be there for the 65th for obvious reasons uh nobody will be except for the ducks and maybe a couple of uh landscapers um did you find anything yeah keep going so a couple of landscapers might be celebrating the 65th (laughs) anniversary um by putting their brooms in the air well those are those are custodial yeah, and they won't need them. <laughs> Rakes. Rakes. For leaves. Uh, hoses. They'll probably spread their hoses up in the air mm-hmm. um, in, ex- in in excitement and jubilance. Um, but other than that, nobody else can experience it. Now, we did post something on the Facebook page today where they're doing like a virtual celebration, which is interesting and nice that they're doing what they can. I think that I don't think that they're happy. They, well, I know they're not happy that they have to be closed on the 65th, but, you know, things in California have... Um, have become more complicated over the past couple of weeks with the governor uh, capping it off by announcing that things are kind of going back to how they were a few months ago. So Disneyland, there's just no way that it was ever going to open up before the 65th, 65th anniversary. Um, point being, they can't be open, but that that doesn't mean we shouldn't uh, enjoy it and, and think back on what Disneyland is, how it came to be, um, and really the what it means to the company at large um, and what led up to its creation uh, just basically out of Walt's imagination. I mean, um, we've talked about this before, but Walt was sort of pushing this forward on his own and had a lot of naysayers, including the people closest to him, his brother, his wife, both were kind of uh, lukewarm on the idea of a theme park. And, uh, and all the same, Walt pushed it through. And it's gone on to shape not only the Disney company, but, you know, there's other theme parks that, you know, we see all, all sorts of theme parks in the world now um, that sort of, you know, Disneyland was the first version of that. So 
it's been a a big a big phenomenon just for um, for everyone and and it's it's helped to create a lot of things that we now take for granted I think did you find anything <laughs> well yeah our, we released our first episode on the 18th which was a Thursday gotcha and then we released one on Tuesday so we the re- 23rd so we recorded on Wednesday the 17th who I don't really know I don't know when we recorded it I can't remember I think it was Wednesday the 17th in which case one year later here we are yes yeah, because I remember thinking, oh, that we're going to record our first episode on the Disneyland. I mean, you know, oh. 64th anniversary wasn't really a big thing, but it, it was, it did exist. So that day came and passed, and we recorded on that day. So, Well, I think I think we called the episode to all who come to this happy place welcome, yes. which would be a quote from day number one and relevant to the episode. Yeah, Dis- uh, Walt Disney's famous speech, uh, be, you know, uh, opening up Disneyland. And, um, and yeah, so anyways... Disneyland's a uh, hugely important place, not just for the Disney company, but for the country and for the world, I think, um, you know, relative, keeping a perspective. But that is, uh, I don't know. It, it's just really wild when you think about how things must have been back then. Um, you know, we, we who have grown up with Disneyland our whole lives and theme parks in general might take it for granted but back then it was a really revolutionary sort of idea that Walt Disney had and to have made it happen I think is a pretty incredible thing yeah good what is your favorite opening day attraction that still stands Thomas well that's a good question well it could be well, I'm not going to say the railroad, even though that's a good one. Yeah. I'm trying to remember all of them currently. Uh, I'm going to probably go with Jungle Cruise. That's what I think I would go with. Because it's still a neat, that was an e-ticket attraction. Yeah. And then what other ones were e-tickets well, from the beginning? Like not really. E- yeah. Well, I mean, not many. Um, was Autopia? No. Maybe. Because it was driving a car. It's kind of, maybe for a kid, that's a big deal. Um, the other ones include Peter Pan's Flight, Snow White's Scary Adventure, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Mark Twain Riverboat, which is interesting, King Arthur Carousel, uh, The Railroad, as you mentioned, in Autopia. Why'd you oh, laugh yeah. at me? Oh, you said the river the riverboats are like a question. I thought maybe you're, you're going to ask, what is that? Oh, no, I just, I that one surprised me. Not surprised me, but I just didn't think of it when I thought of opening day attractions for whatever reason. And what's the name of the one in, in Disney World? Is the River Bell? The, the Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. Yeah. Liberty Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I I love Mark Twain Riverboat, but I will say, it, for me, it has to be Jungle Cruise as well. Um, and even though it opened, it, it when it opened, it was a little bit different um, in terms of the actual material that, you know, the, 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 way, the way it was presented. But... Um, to this day, I love it very much, and it's one of my favorite rides. So I think that that has to be it. I also very much enjoy Mr. Toad, as you all know. I'm not sure how you feel about that attraction. It's okay. I like that it's there because it's nowhere else. Yeah, that's know. true. That's true. I, I hope that they never get rid of it for that reason. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I sort of agree with that um, in terms of the the ride you picked. Have you seen any of the uh, anniversary, the anniversary merch that came out? I've seen some of it. I'm not, I'm never really that into like things with anniversary dates on them or like, uh, or even like, you know, the shirts that have the year on them that you can buy all the time. And we've talked about this before. I'm not really into buying those sorts of things. Um, what do you think of the merchandise? Yeah, I agree. I don't like that the numbers on there. I'd like for it to be maybe on like the tag or something where you could say, look, look, this is from yeah. the 65th anniversary, but then the, the shirt itself, let's, I'm looking at a shirt which has a lot of cool stuff. It's the kind of, it's a, it's a button up, you know, with the collar and there's a bunch of Disney animated characters on them, classic characters. And then 65, you know, just sporadically about on the shirt. And I'd, I'd prefer that the numbers aren't there and it's just about the characters and, and Disneyland and stuff. And, but this is what they do. I don't well, know. and people want that. I mean, people, I, we might be in the minority on this. I'm not exactly sure. I'm looking at their... Well, that's where I said you could still be on the shirt so that you could say, hey, look. I don't think people look at your shirt and say, wow, 65, that's cool. I don't know if that 
Yeah. You well, know, like if you have the shirt, like I saw someone when we went to Florida in 2016, which was one year after the 60th anniversary of Disneyland, mm-hmm. they had a shirt for the 60th. Now, I think there was a 60 on there, but it might have been just the D. I can't remember. But I knew that they had the shirt from the anniversary. The point I'm saying is you don't need the number. You could say, oh, I just bought this for anniversary merchandise. And then you could, you know, there's no real reason other than people will see it and buy it because it's obvious what it is. Yeah, and there's some stuff that isn't too, like the ears that say 65th, 65 Disneyland, I would just never, I mean, I wouldn't buy ears anyway, I guess. So I'm not really in the demo, but there's this backpack that's kind of cool. You see that with the castle and uh, they've got Mickey and Minnie on the front and... I'm looking for it. That's kind of cool. They've got some pins that aren't so bad. Oh, yeah. They've got a pin with the Hatbox Ghost on it. See, pins, I, I don't mind having the 65th anniversary and stuff on that. Like, that. that's something. Wow, they have a, a Disneyland 65 Years of Magic pin that is a map of Disneyland pin. That's cool. So that's actually pretty cool. So they've got some, some cool stuff there. There is. I do, I do see a button-up shirt that is just... It's like it's got stars on it, you know, mm-hmm. like when you wish upon a star. And the Disneyland D, it's what like a sort of a navy blue, like a shade or two lighter than that. And on the uh, the pocket on the left on the left uh, chest is Walt holding holding Mickey's hand, and it says Disneyland underneath. Now that one has at the bottom a very subtle indicator, sixty five. So it looks like maybe they've, they've so, done yeah. a good job of that, actually. There you go. Look at that. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised actually going through this myself. So that's uh, that's cool stuff. They've got some good... It's too bad that they're not open because I'm not going to buy Well, this would this. be in downtown Disney. Yes, exactly. But you're not going to go down no. a few hours, a few, five, six hours of driving just for that. No, especially considering the way downtown Disney has been. Um, I also saw there's some virtual queue. I, I, I didn't look into it too too thoroughly but there's a virtual queue of things like to, to get in line to buy these things and it was like thousands of people long and wow so yeah it's not uh it's definitely i mean if it was down the street maybe it's definitely not something i'm driving any amount of time uh over an hour for so that's not happening there's a nice uh mickey plush i guess it's a plush i don't know yeah it is yeah and it's just got the 65th on the foot is it on the foot Yes. Yeah. He's wearing a little no, There's suit. some words, too, down there. Yeah, this isn't bad. I don't own many plushes, and I don't plan on owning many of them, but if you're into that sort of thing, there are worse things. Well, right, right. Oh, they have socks, too, with the vintage Disneyland sign letters across it. That's kind of cool. I like when they do vintage stuff. Oh, yeah. Which they seem to be embracing here, because that shirt that I mentioned that had 65 all over it featured classic characters. And the Disneyland D, so it looked like they're embracing a little bit of the, much more of the past, which I think is appropriate given that it's an anniversary celebration. So we'll have to wait till the 70th to celebrate another big one like this. And then 75. Assuming we're all still around for Disney and Disney still exists, because you know. It's only a decade. I think it should be all right. Yeah, but look at where we were last year. Yeah. yeah. We were peak disney as far as i'm concerned in terms uh, explain what do you mean by experiences that? Uh, yeah i mean for s- me i was coming up on d23 yeah that's true so i was i i was personally peaking mm-hmm. you know in terms of my experience up to that point and then now we can't even go at all they're not even open we which has dis- never happened we did disney way. world and then a couple fall trips in disneyland a winter trip i did rise of the resistance in the yeah the late winter oh i still haven't done that <laughs> i actually forgot about that well, it's probably best to think to forget about it since you have no opportunity to ride it anytime soon. But yeah, it's uh it's unfortunate. But anyways, I, I I think it's it's good to mention just some of I you know, like how much Disneyland has changed and how in many ways it stayed the same. Um like you used to need tickets to ride the attractions. That's where the word e ticket comes from. Um Every time, Michaela just realized that recently and was like, what, they, you had to have tickets like at a carnival? And I was like, well, you have to understand that there was there was no model for a theme park back then. The model they had was carnivals and fairs and that sort of thing. So, you know, Walt didn't want to be like a carnival or like a fair in many ways, but in other ways, that was sort of the formula. 
that was the formula that they had. So yeah, the, there was different tickets you could buy for different attractions. You had to have like you know, like you said, Jun- Jungle Cruise was the most expensive ticket. Um, there then there was like, was there A, B, C, and D? I don't know if there was. I many. believe it was A through E. Um, there was a ticket book that you had, and E was the the higher end attractions. Um, well, I could look it up real quick, but yeah, it's. Uh, well, it's just it's just interesting to note that a lot of people don't know that, and they've, a lot of things have changed over the years. They used to have the pancake races. We've talked about that on Main Street. Uh, there's there's all sorts of things that you know over the years have have changed and um, altered, and you don't see anymore. But when you hear about them, you think, wow, that it was really a, a very different place. And then there's people who say that they wish they were there on opening day, which we've discussed before. I'm not sure. I'm not sure people know what they say when they <laughs> they say they wish that because I'm not sure that it was a fun place to be on opening day. Yeah. So I found some images of the uh, the tickets, and it is it is A through A through uh, E A B C D E. Yeah. Do you have the prices? Uh, okay. So let's see here. This is from d23.com. Looks like a. A total price of two fifty for adults, two dollars for juniors. Interesting, and one fifty for children. I guess junior would be teenager. This was the ticket book. That's right. Gotcha. And it looks so. I had the the A ticket for an A ride. You get your choice of any one of the following, which would be so. It has Main Street. You can do the streetcar. S- s- wait, streetcar. There's a dash and then a long dash and then Surrey and then fire wagon, long dash, cinema. I don't know. I guess that's four things. Uh, Tomorrowland, you do the space station, X1, whatever that means. We need to know these things. 20,000 Leagues exhibit. Uh, Fantasyland, you can do the carousel, King Arthur carousel. And then the B ticket, you can you go over to Frontierland. You can do any one of, so, oh, so the first three that we mentioned on ticket A, you could only do one of the following. With that one ticket, yeah, yeah. So you can only pick one of those. That's not a great deal. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Comparison today, today you just get everything. Well, let's carry on. Uh, B ticket is Frontierland, Conestoga wagon, freight train, Tomorrowland, Phantom boat. Interesting. Fantasyland, Mad Tea Party. I guess that's an opening day, huh? Yeah, but it's um, been moved since. Casey Junior train, Dumbo elephant, Mickey Mouse theater. Void if detached. Uh, the C ticket. Now this is where it gets a little more interesting. <laughs> you can go to Frontierland, ride the Mule Pack, or Stagecoach, or the Mark Twain Riverboat. There you go. Which we've just learned was an opening day attraction. Well, we knew it was. And now we've confirmed. <laughs> we Main knew Street. it was. It just didn't. For some reason, it didn't come to my mind why yeah. I thought of opening day things. Main Ma- Street. Main Street passenger train. I guess that's the train, and that's how they referred to it. Was there only one station then? I'm not sure. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and then Tomorrowland, you have the Autopia car. So, Autopia was the C ticket. Yeah. TWA <laughs> Moon Rocket, C ticket. And then, oh, Adventureland with the Jungle Riverboat, C ticket. Jung- the Jungle Riverboat was the C ticket yeah. attraction. Yeah, and so was Peter Pan. So, what was E ticket then in, in those days? Well, I'll, we'll get there. Um, okay, we'll get to it. Well, there's more to describe in terms of the context around these, but I'm just reading what's on the uh, actual tickets yeah, yeah. here. Uh, yeah, so Fantasyland, Peter Pan, Mr. Toad, Snow White. These are C. Those are C. Um, it jumps right to E here on the graphics, so I'm going to read from E. Main Street, you can do, oh, okay. S, F, so Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad Trains. Main Street is the rocket to the moon. This is interesting. Oh, this is probably, I think, what, the first three or ones you just get for coming in, I guess. I really don't know. Yeah, because it seems to be Adventureland Jungle Cruise. Yeah, this is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, because I thought Jungle Cruise was an e-ticket attraction. That was like their their big attraction when they first opened. was sort of, I mean, you write it now and it's sort of a little silly in terms of you look at the animatronics and things have gone come such a, a long way in terms of animatronics that they look a little ridiculous. I mean, considering they were they're, they were around in 1955, many of them. It's not so ridiculous, but in terms of what we're used to with, um, you know, the recent stuff, they're definitely not as up to snuff as those are. 
but it's just funny that that's like you know that was the big draw back then so it looks like they started out with a b and c and then eventually evolved to include d i see in 1956 and so yeah that's where we see the attraction just shift around and eventually once we get to e uh things like jungle cruise have made their way over there um yeah yeah but yeah by by the end once there was a full ticket book it was a3 gotcha well good that's uh, i'm glad that's gone <laughs> although i mean it, it, you know the, the park is is more expensive as a result of not having like you know i don't know what admission was in terms of you know accounting for inflation and everything but i'm assuming if you had to buy tickets for every attraction the admission itself would be cheaper but whatever yeah i like just being able to ride wherever i want when i choose to and not having to worry about it yes freedom is better yeah so the freedom to choose and the freedom to go from back and forth and the freedom to ride splash mountain 14 times in one trip that's true you would like a three-day trip you'd have to hand them some dumb ticket to do that yeah 14 times (laughs) yeah yeah that would not be good well, they, they, so it, for those who don't know, and maybe most people do, I don't know, that that's where the term e-ticket attraction comes from. When they, you know, e-tickets are obviously, the ticket system in general is gone, but they still hold the name e-ticket attraction. So, you know, you've got like Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain, Matterhorn, those would all be e-ticket attractions today if they still held the ticket system. I, I wonder when they dispensed with that idea. Anyways. I will look it up. I don't know if there's much else to say. We we talk about Disneyland all the time. I don't know if there's much else to say about its opening and and everything uh, that went into that. We we've talked about that many times on many different episodes. But um, so it looks you, like by June 1982, this is still from D23. The ticket books were favored out in favor in favor of passport the passport system. Which is what exactly? Uh, well, I will uh, find it. I assume that's similar to what we have with the annual passes. Um, yeah, for, yeah, so they, uh, first sentence of this section here. On June 20th, 1981, Disneyland began offering the choice of a ticket book or an all-inclusive passport, which offered unlimited use of the park attractions. And then by June of the next year, 1982, the ticket books were phased out in favor of the passport at both Disneyland and Magic Kingdom Park at Walt Disney World. However, Tokyo Disneyland offered the books until March 31st, guess the year. 1991. No. One more guess. 1990... 1986. 2001. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's a long time. (laughs) Well, I was surprised by the 1980s for Disneyland that they were... That shocked me. Not shocked. That surprised me quite a bit. Really? That doesn't... That wouldn't surprise me I would have said 70s. Certainly by the time Disney World was open, I would have imagined that that was something of the past. I don't know why. But Tokyo doing it to the, into the yachts, that's... <laughs> yeah, into the... Okay. Uh, yeah. Tokyo's the best. Um, oh, that's something, that actually, real quick. They mentioned that... I, I saw that Tokyo has announced that some of their uh, holiday stuff that they do at that park, you know, whatever they do for the halloween time they're not doing it this year i didn't realize they had done stuff yeah i i saw pictures of of like some nightmare before christmas stuff and um i i don't know what they do but apparently a lot of it they're they're not doing this year because of everything going on so it makes sense it's unfortunate hopefully it's not uh that doesn't forecast if disneyland does open that doesn't forecast that they won't be doing things then although that looks to be the case so we'll we'll, we'll just hope they open and then we'll figure it out from there but i just thought i'd slip that in so we've been doing the podcast for a year, too. One year... 365 days. Give or take. Give or take. Yeah. So what what has been... What about the podcast has helped you uh, with Disney, with, with what you think about Disney and how you look at it and how you experience it? Well, I think the biggest, most obvious thing would be that we've had the opportunity and the... Well, I guess the the impetus to study the history, at least somewhat, of attractions we love and movies we love. And yeah. To dive a little bit deeper, but below the surface of what we usually experience when it comes to them. So, yeah, that's been... I particularly enjoyed researching Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. Main, and Main Street. Those two stick out. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I look forward to doing others too, including Splash Mountain. That's you know our favorite attraction, um, at least mine anyway. I think yeah, but uh, yeah, and there's plenty of other lands we have to explore. So yeah, it's that's that kind of thing. And then apart from that, I don't know that there's really much other than having fun with the discussions, you know, with the the games we have and yeah. everything. Well, and I think anything where we've researched something that we've already enjoy um has been great like what sticks out to me is the movies and doing research on the movies and then watching the movies with the thought in mind that we're going to be doing a podcast on them that's always been a lot of fun watching the movies and then renewing a sort of um enthusiasm for them and the same thing applies to i think the lands and the attractions that we've talked about on the podcast and done a little bit of research into them. I think that that's always been the funnest, the most fun for me and uh, the most informative and then helps sort of shape your experience when you're in the parks too and helps you look at things a little bit differently. Uh, And same when you watch the movies, it kind of changes how you look at it and what you're looking for and what you're listening to and um, the history of it, especially the the movies that have the extras available on Disney plus, or even the ones that have like the full on documentaries available for them um, as part of the extras. That's, that's always been really helpful, really fun, really interesting work to do for the show. And probably what I enjoy the most is just doing the research on the side and then bringing it to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to reflect on. What's what's your favorite episode that we've done? What was your favorite to research? Your favorite to do? Your favorite to the thing, the one you turn you think turned out um, the best? Maybe I think I already said them. It's a tie between Haunted Mansion and the uh, Main Street episode. Mm-hmm. That's just for learning purposes. In terms of fun, I don't know that I. Well, the Gripe episode was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the Gripe episode. We need to do another one of those sometime. It's going to have to be a once per year. I think we're going to have plenty to gripe about. Yeah, Soon. although with the parks being closed, it's tough. Because well, given that we made up a lot of crap to gripe <laughs> about, at least I did. Yeah, uh, we can just we can make up stuff because it's not open. Yeah, you know, that's there's true. there's a lot of fun to be had, and I think anyone can play that game. That's another thing, though, is that doing the podcast is we have a reason to have discussions. Yeah, many people like we even just us before the podcast we discuss things, but it wouldn't we wouldn't have a pointed discussion necessarily unless there was some big news. Yeah, it, you know, it last maybe ten minutes or something, and that's it. But with with these uh, weekly conversations, it at least allows us the opportunity to uh, expand on different ideas. Well, and then you're looking for things to, to talk about, too. Like, you have your eye out for things that could be talked about on the show that maybe you wouldn't be paying attention to otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. What What was your favorite? I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but since we've done the podcast, what's the favorite Disney, your favorite Disney-related thing that we've done? You've done D23, you said. We've done Disney World. We've done a few other trips to Disneyland. Um, since having the podcast last July and working on it, what's your favorite thing that we've done since? Together? It doesn't have to be together. No. Much of it is together, which is why I phrased it that way. I think the highlight for me is D23. Yeah. Um, there was a lot... That was when we were just starting the podcast, and for me, it was uh, it was more of a reason to like really take everything in because I could share stuff. And yeah, I just was more immersed in Disney by having been there because that's all it is. And uh, yeah, I would say that one, and then maybe some parts of Disney World. I really liked the, uh, and this has nothing to do with the podcast, but I liked the uh, what was it, Ohana the dinner. Yeah, yeah. that was that that was a really fun moment because it's something that you know everyone sort of that associates with disney parks in any real way it it has a certain aura around it so that was a cool experience just for the fact that we were doing it Mm -hmm. and on top of it it was a really good time the food was good uh we were with good people um and we got to experience that hotel and all of that that was a really good experience yeah yeah yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, Disney World in general was just great, and uh, being able to do that with Peyton for the first time was fantastic. Rise of the Resistance, uh, that was a really incredible moment. The moment when Michaela and I just got the boarding pass for uh, Rise of the Resistance, I'll never forget that. Like, we were so nervous about getting the boarding pass, because it was the first couple weeks of it having been open, and so it was this process that 
you you were able you, we researched it so much but until we were doing it we weren't sure we were going to be successful so getting the boarding pass and being able to ride that the first day we were down there that was a lot of fun that was something i'll always remember you know, driving down there on midnight to make sure we got in that park the first day like just uh yeah a lot of fun stuff the past year even with everything being closed now and unavailable to us. Well, it's such a stark contrast from last year to this one. Yeah, we did a lot last year. We can't do anything this year. <laughs> I mean, we can't, even if we wanted to. Yeah. Oh, well, I've canceled my Disney World trip that was supposed to happen in December, and just all kinds of... That was probably a good move. Yeah, I think it was the right one. I don't uh, think they'll be open. Okay, I don't know about Disney that. Disney World? Mean, they're open now, but, you know... You think you're going to reclose? I, th- I think that things are trending that way they're just precarious they're not stable nothing is on stable ground in terms of yeah. businesses being open yeah i think that uh we are in california which i think paints our uh, yeah paints our experience a little bit but also numbers are, are uh, changing across the nation and people from different states are traveling like i got to imagine many californians are going to different states and they have to come back you know i just don't know things still have to develop the vaccine isn't around it's not going to be around for a while. If ever. I really don't think so. Um, might be a few years. It'd be amazing if it were here in short in shorter term than that. But uh, Well, people keep saying a few months, and I heard someone recently say four, it could be four years. Well, yeah. I was just like, wait a second. Well, I mean, I've also sort of accepted the fact that it might never come, but just the fact that it could both exist but also not – be, but also be four years away, I was just like, oh my gosh, well, we can't, I mean, we got to figure this out then and, and really form a strategy around how we're going to do this. Um, not with Disney, just with Disneyland and Disney World, but everything. But as, as far as it relates to Disney parks, you're right. It's like, yeah, Disney World's open, but will it be open forever? And like, if Disneyland opens, it's the same thing. You know, I, when I saw Hong Kong closed, I was like, oh, that's, that just means we don't know anything because once something reopens, it could just re reclose at any time. Yeah. I'm just thinking that the, even the disease itself is like developing. So I don't know how they can get a vaccine for something that we still are adding symptoms onto the list of, you know, and, and people, it's just affecting people differently still. And yeah, so I, I just don't have confidence in everything. But like you said, not only did we do a lot, you know, we went to the park a lot, but we had a, a, a sort of variation of a wide variance of experiences. You know, we did Disney world, you did D 23. Michaela and I did several trips where we did something different each time and galaxy's edge opened and all sorts of things that we got to experience for the first time. And so I think 2019, at least in terms of just Disney experiences and, and the podcast and everything was a great time. It was a great year to be a Disney fan. Yeah. I think we'll look back on it fondly. 2019. If only we knew. Well, I think we did plenty. I don't think that, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. No, Michaela and I were really, are really happy that we went when we, because when we went in February, you know, it was a little under a month before the parks closed that we went. Mm-hmm. And, um, we weren't sure we were going to go on that trip. That was a very last minute trip. I think we booked the hotel like five days before we left. And uh, I'm glad we did it because we weren't going to be able to do it until like June if we didn't do it then, maybe April actually. And so luckily we didn't hold off. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Thomas? Anything else that sticks out? Not from the last year. What about actually doing podcasting? What did you think it would be like before we started? I didn't really know much. I here's the thing. I knew that we, you and I, like you said, we had these discussions. I would bring up really bizarre things, uh, like ask you kind of uh, unanswerable questions <laughs> at Disney parks. But those always lasted like ten minutes. Or we talk about them at home, or we talk about them in line at the parks, or driving down there or something. But um, so I knew we had things to talk about, um, and I I kind of expected it to be similar to how it is, where we just talk each week about something that we would talk about otherwise but maybe in a longer form and it's been about it's been like that and we've connected with some people which has been fun um maybe that's not something i 
forecasted, but that's that's the way it's been. We've connected with a few people over social media. We've we did Detour to Neverland. Uh, that was a good time talking to those yeah. guys, and and uh, so maybe I didn't expect that so much. Uh, but the conversations between you and I, it's been about what I've expected. So, what were you feeling like before our first recording? Oh, so nervous. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was nervous for the first like ten. Which is bizarre because we could always re-record if we messed up horribly. Because what are you? What are we nervous about anyway? Are you? Were you nervous? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I guess you just don't don't want to say something that you don't necessarily agree with you don't want to sound like we want to be genuine and i think that that's a hard thing to do when you first start out and it's there's this feeling of like you know that you're being recorded and that it's going out there and i think that that at first was kind of nerve-wracking just because you want to come off as genuine and you want to be saying things that you actually believe (laughs) well also in in the face of as podcast listeners knowing how how you hear other podcasts to be and you might i don't know about you but i don't know that i had a model but there it's possible that I had a model for how a podcast should sound. And so I would, I, it, it could be the case that I was thinking about trying to fill or, you know, like fill out that model in some capacity. And so that's where the nervousness came in. Cause you know, having never done it before and having assumed that it would have to be a certain way. Yeah. You just don't know if it's going to come out that way. And maybe it didn't, I don't know. I think maybe to us, it's different than people who listened to it on the first go around, but it, you know, by now it's just talking with you and there's microphones in front of us there's yes. no second thought about it it's like the conversations we've always had really and then you know we i guess before we weren't doing like research on disney movies and then talking about them but no so there's those more formal ones but then there's the games that we we've done and the general discussions we've had and the discussions about news that comes down and things opening and talking about that and um it, that's all just stuff we've been doing for years so it's funny though how nervous, how nerve wracking it is in the beginning, or was for us. I'm assuming. Well, it must you be- were you were hosting too. You still yeah. are, but like you, you had never been a host on a podcast before. Oh, no. So the introductions and, and all that sort of thing was not really uh, yet in your wheelhouse. I think you. Yeah, we used to like have it. to read off something just to make sure I didn't fumble over the. Did were you? I don't. Remember oh yeah, that. I yeah. was. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I do remember kind of like trying maybe here and there trying to coach you like just, you know, kind of try it like this. Well, not... We had to we had to do multiple recordings of the intros in the beginning, if you recall, because yeah, yeah. I would just mess well, up. Well, and up. you didn't know what you were going to say yet because even the things that we were talking about, like social media stuff, it was all new. Yeah. And so we were familiarizing ourselves with it. And so, yeah, we just we've grown into it, I think, pretty well. And I'm I don't know about you, but looking forward to the next year, there's without the parks, it's going to be difficult to have uh you know new new conversations about the parks as they develop and they are different now than when we've last been and well and it and it's forced us to sort of look for new things to talk about which i think is good um i think that in general it just better informs the way that i look at disney in general you know um and maybe a new appreciation for some of the things that i hadn't considered before which i think has been the the most the most fulfilling part of the whole thing is just getting, growing a, a greater appreciation for the parks, for the movies, for the music, um, for what they bring to the table, and for the history of it. I think that's actually what's most important to both of us is the history of the parks and the and the company. That's true, and that's and that's only increased with me over the past year. Yours, I think, was already uh, pretty high. Uh, your appreciation of the history, oh, yeah. mine has increased exponentially, though. Yeah, it's interesting to to think about the history of the park and also uh, join that up with the reality of the changing of the parks. Yeah. And people always talk about, I think Marty Sklar said, maybe he was saying it of Walt, but maybe he just said it, that Walt is, that the parks aren't a museum. They're supposed to change. That basic sentiment has been ex- expressed. In- yeah, I think I actually think that quote by Walt sometimes is sort of twisted to fit people's Oh yeah. Desires. Yeah. Like when something changes that maybe shouldn't, people say, well, Walt said things were always going to change. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, the context is important. That's one. And two, that doesn't, that can't be your get out of jail free card for every change you make. Um, Yeah. That being said, I think that that's important that the the parks are a a living, breathing entity in that way. Well, that's true. You don't want it to be rigid. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if they, the Imagineers just make changes to make them, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that there's always a reason behind it. Well, um, not, it might to, not, not be a, just to make them, but like almost to 
show that they're valuable. Mm. So it's like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we don't have any space in Disneyland. Let's change everything. Mm. Disney World, you can build new things. But like, you have to change things if you're going to do new projects in Disneyland. Yeah, you have to. Something has to go or something has to be overlaid. Mickey's Runaway Railway or Mickey Minis. It's They're removing that little area. Some part of it anyway. Yeah. Well, it um, can't all stay. There's just not room. Tower of Terror is now gone. Splash Mountain will be gone. Well, and I will say this. When something changes, I often go into it thinking, oh, God, I wish this wasn't changing. And then when we experience it, I'm I'm happy with it. Like, I do think that Guardians of the Galaxy is is better than Tower of Terror. And that's a sentiment yeah, that I think no, we I, share. I agree. So it's one of those things you have to trust them, I think, to an extent. Um, and then just hope that that trust is rewarded with um, something good and it, and I don't I don't know in many circumstances where I've been let down when that in that case I'm curious to see about the longevity of all these things like, I mean well I think I might have said before that with Guardians uh, that kind of thing depends on a certain level of technology like it, it might even be dated in like 20 years because we have all this new technology who yeah. knows what we'll have who knows what the world will be they're, they're gonna have to change the ride again and all the different rides and maybe maybe it'll evolve along with the technology that'd be actually pretty cool if they could do that but the films are the films they're not yes. gonna those can't be changed uh pixar pier is nice now i wonder how nice it'll be you know 20 years are they gonna have to change it again and if they are could they have just left it how it was yeah and that would have lasted that i mean it's been that way this whole time in you know the theming part of it rides have come and gone on the pier but yeah so i just i'm curious about longevity you know that's all yeah and especially when it's ip everything's ip based now which is to say based on movies and property that disney owns or created when you think of something like jungle cruise like they can change that any any way they want you know they can bring in different animals or whatever and they have it's not attached to a film yeah you know, whereas with Guardians of the Galaxy, those actors are the actors in the movies, and if something changes with that, then they have. You to can't bring them back for a new scene yeah. if you want to do new scenes. Not necessarily. If they're, if, but if it's twenty years from now, because yeah. they will have aged far out of being able to do. I, well, you know, maybe CGI could do the trick because that movie, The Irishman, mm-hmm. Robert De Niro was CGI to look younger. It was not horrible. You knew, you knew it because you saw it. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, something's not, and he was supposed to be the young. Uncanny you're Valley like, he's is not young. But in 20 years, that technology surely will be improved. And if you told people 100 years ago that they'd have something in their pocket, they could call people hundreds, thousands of miles away and all that stuff. I mean, there's things that we're not even predicting is the point that will bring all new. But then that comes to ask, like, when do they start phasing out things like the Jungle Cruise? And t- like, do those things remain evergreen? When the technology changes? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know either. I don't know either. I think it's I think it's interesting, though. It's something I think about for... I'll think about it for minutes at a time, where I'll think about technology, and if it becomes so crazy that... that can you justify having a thing like, like the Haunted Mansion as it currently stands in that park with... You know what I mean? It's just like, how would you have to change that? And would it, I mean, that's something you can't imagine them changing right now, but would they have to potentially if in 20 years the technology is such that they just can't justify having it in the park? That you walk off this, there's some new attraction, some new wild attraction that's so mind blowing. And then you go on, you know, Jungle Cruise and you're like, oh, those hippos don't even look real. And it's like, you know, is that something they have to think about? I don't know. I wonder if story or like pirates or. Haunted Mansion, if those things are going to become phased out of cultural relevance. Like, it's what, folkloric, you know? It's mm-hmm. a reference to something that you hear about. But, like, I can imagine a time when the architecture in which haunted houses exist, you know? Yeah. It could be dis- destroyed and rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Are, like, our new homes is haunted these days? I don't know. Like, yeah. is that going to be phased <laughs> out? Just the idea. You of mean it. the look of a haunt? Like when you see it, you're like, that house is and, a spooky haunt. Maybe house. not because you still have films. Yeah. But pirates, maybe that will be irrelevant. Um, maybe people will say that we shouldn't glorify pirates because pirates are real even now. Yeah. And they're not good people. But the folklore around it is interesting and people find it interesting and thus it's there. But is it always going to be there? Maybe not. In fact, I would assume not. 
Interesting. But that could be 50 years out. Like this is much long term, longer term thinking. I am curious, and this would take like a whole, writing a whole essay on it, but what the impetus was for change in, in Disney parks while Walt was alive. And then, well, mainly that time, because after that it gets, it's different. I think it's mostly ideas and having ideas and wanting to execute them when Walt was around. Well, I know, but like thinking about all the, you know, financial stuff around the yeah. changes, uh, where, where guests not interested, like you could probably do some research and find out. Yeah. Um, but it would have to be, that's, that's pretty focused. You know, it's like a, it's the minutia of the, the history, but it's interesting to me. Well, I'm excited for what the future holds, assuming... Well, you know, once the parks reopen and everything gets going, I'm excited to see what they bring to the table. We will see. All right, Thomas. Is your conscience clear? Are you good to go? <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Nope, that's it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm.